0: often the case that Manchester City will make a bit of a sleepy start to the season and will have to play catch-up in the second half of the campaign. This turned they're top of the league after 11 games. They've won all of their Champions League matches. They've done most of that without their talismanic midfielder. Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland is top of the scorers list. As City prepared to face an inexperienced Chelsea, is there any real way to stop them? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. There's no way of stopping our top-tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark City have the most points, the best attack, the best defence. Got the league's top scorer in Erling Haaland. They're seemingly top of the expected points models as well, from what I could gather. It's all a bit frightening, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is looking ominous (laughs) already. (laughs) You sounded so disappointed then. Yeah, the season's over already. It is, it is quite kind of deflating really because I think from a Premier League perspective things were shaping up or are shaping up to be quite exciting and entertaining towards the top end of the table because traditionally we've talked about the the Big Six or the Big Four back in the day which became the Big Six at Newcastle. You've got the Big Seven and then you've got the likes of Aston Villa and Brighton punching above their weight or maybe not Villa historically but at least Brighton and you've got the makings of a, almost a top 10 there who could easily kind of get the better of each other week on week but um Yeah, obviously Liverpool dropping points at Luton last weekend, Um, Arsenal have had their hiccups of course as well with the Newcastle defeat. It's just kind of opened the door for Man City who haven't been at their best yet they still find themselves at the top of the table and as I say that's quite ominous really because normally we expect City to come to the fore in in the early spring really or or after Christmas and New Year when... um, it's almost like Pep conditions his team to, to be at their peak in, in that kind of business end to the campaign. So, um, yeah, looking at Sunday, it's it's difficult to kind of dismiss Man City. I think at uh, around 1.83 quotes on the exchange, you might be able to get a little bit bigger than that. Um, They're playing a Chelsea team. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a worse performance from 11 men against nine as what we saw on, on Monday night when they played Tottenham. They could easily have chucked that game away. um it's very difficult then, I think, to use that as a springboard to kind of kick on. For me, it just highlighted the team's vulnerabilities, showed how far away they are from top four material right now. I thought they were naive. Um, I thought they were fortuitous. I thought there was just uh, poor execution, poor control, leadership, direction, all the characteristics we talked about being lacking this season in this Chelsea squad came to the fore. And, you know, they've toiled against trying to penetrate kind of deep line defenses this season, especially at Stanford Bridge. So you know, he got an opportunity to play against nine men who are defending on the halfway line and he still couldn't work out how to, to get the better of Spurs, really. Um, it was and
0: genuinely he it. brain dead. I mean, Sterling made so many good runs in behind, it was just ignored, or the ball went out of play, or the ball just went to the wrong person. And it, it just was collective panic. And that's what Mauricio Pochettino is dealing with at the moment, isn't it? Because it's, it's all very well bringing together some of the best young talents in Europe. But these are guys who are very early on their football journey. And if you've stripped out a lot of the veterans, I know Chargo Silva's there and he's 600 years old and Sterling's still there and what have you. But the balance just feels completely off to me.
1: It does. uh, I'm not a big fan of the defence individually or collectively. Um, I think there's holes in the goalkeeper as well. Um, Clearly, Nicholas Jackson we all felt, I think, um, the big move from Villarreal probably came a year too soon for him um, yeah. after a six-month hot streak in in La Liga. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough ask. They've lost six on the spin against Man City across all competitions without even scoring a goal. Uh, they've lost each of the last three home games against Man City in the Premier League. They've already lost eight times at Stanford Bridge in the Premier League this calendar year alone. Um, and sure, we've seen City have their own sort of wobbles this season but they are a cut above the rest and when Rodri plays um, City perform and you know I think that price is is very attractive when you consider City were 1.67 in this fixture back in January. Um, have they got that much worse? Have Chelsea got that much better since January to, to see that price shift? Um, this is a City team who went off at 1.61 away at Manchester United in the derby not so long ago and absolutely mulled them in the second half. I um, yeah, I think City have intentionally been much more controlled this year in their approach. They've they've not been shredding sides as often as as year previous years, but they've been dissecting them, strangling them. Haaland is fit and available. We saw that in midweek, and um, they've had a relatively genteel midweek with that game against Young Boys. They were able to sort of take their foot off the gas very yeah. early doors and and focus on this game. So. Um, difficult to be positive about Chelsea's opportunities to, to pick up points here, but ultimately, this is a price game too and a Man City at that price is, is too big to turn down.
0: Odds compiler, tipster and a regular on the multi-celebrity circuit, Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Uh, Stinch, Chelsea were European champions in 2021, spent a billion quid and got worse. It, it's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, when you look at it, just in isolation, how would you go from that to this
2: yeah and to go with the model that you're going to buy young and in long term you'll be successful but then you don't keep the manager that you appointed off who had done obviously incredible work in his previous role. Yeah. We think with Pochettino, I think there's always a, whoever's in charge, really, there's always a concern that they won't get long enough to fulfill their methods. So it's a, it's a difficult one. And then I suppose it's just compounded with the, um, injury to more established players in terms of Unkunku, um you know yeah. somebody you would expect to hit the ground running and would take a lot of maybe minutes away from Nicholas Jackson or actually maybe combine with, with Jackson together so yeah I mean it's, you, you can't feel sorry for them when you think can you really because you know they've got more money than anybody else or, or a lot of teams um it's just a, you know, obviously a bizarre approach, but maybe that comes from owners or people involved that uh, are not familiar with the football side of business and, and, and are making uh, decisions that they're not fully um, aligned with uh, how you would want to um, operate a football club nowadays, um, so a, a lot of volatility basically, and I think that's what we're seeing in their performances and results so far this season. Very difficult to predict what they're going to do. Um, so, it's, and having said that, I, I know I want to I want to back Man City really at the prices. Not often you get to pro, to back Man Man City at these odds, uh, one point eight three. As Mark mentioned. Um, having won the last six on spin v Chelsea who haven't even scored I know there's been a huge player turnover at Chelsea but I I would imagine there's still some scars for for the existing players that oh here we go again kind of thing and I I know City have already lost at Arsenal, Newcastle and Wolves this season but crucially all of those were without Rodri and they've won 12 of 12 across Premier League and Champions League with the Spaniard who I think arguably is more important to them nowadays than De Bruyne because of the yeah. defensive solidity. Um He averages the most tackles for Man City and the second most fouls. So basically, he breaks up play one way or another. He either wins the ball back or he gives away a foul. And I think what's been quite good to see is it seems as though his sort of defensive line, if you like, has moves further and further up the pitch as his ability to read, play and break up has evolved. And I think that's, that's something that, uh, again, we sort of lord Guardiola for. Um, so, yeah, and across those 12 games, they've scored 36 and conceded just eight. So if they go ahead or if they score, um, you know, you want... You, think that might actually be enough to go on and win the game um there are a few bet builder options i thought that were worth interesting to note as well um erling Haaland to score or assist is four to six he's 17 to 20 to score so i don't think you're losing too much in the price by adding in the assist angle yeah. i think that what's what's good here is uh, obviously an incredible record, 47 Premier League goals in just 46 games. But he's also laid on 10 assists in that period as well. So I think it's a really good angle to, to sl- take a slightly lesser price. But now you've got the assist onside as well. Uh, Nicholas Jackson is the infamous Nicholas Jackson now is nine to four to be carded uh, joint most yellows in the Premier League so far just um, I say just it's just six uh, in only eight starts. Uh, he's he already book- had a ban hasn't he once? Yes. Yeah, he's already, <laughs> he ser- he's served his suspension so he's back and available. Uh, oh, he got wow. booked against both Liverpool and Spurs. Um, he's committed two or more fouls in his last four starts but he's only the 13th most likely in the betting so that could be one to throw in or if you don't want to uh, lean too much on a specific player I thought Chelsea most cards of four to five looked a nice angle as well Uh, they've collected the joint most yellow cards in the league with 35 and one red and City are the fourth cleanest side in the league with only 19 yellows uh, and two reds so I thought there's a few options there as well for what looks like a, a very good Premier League Sunday card.
0: Great tips during Grade 2 violinist Emmett O'Keefe joins us. He plays beautifully, he really does. Uh, Emmett, these two sides, as I mentioned, met in the Champions League final uh, back in 2021. And if you'd have said to somebody that Chelsea would be hoping to get a Conference League place or a Europa League spot, they'd think you'd lost the plot entirely.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to think back that, that game. Where obviously listeners might remember uh, Pep Guardiola infamously left, didn't play with the holding midfielder and left out um, left out for, for, for Fernandinho for that match and played Il- Ilkay Gundogan and allowed kind of Mason Mount and Chelsea to really have space in the counter attack. And I do genuinely believe if if he'd kind of gone with Fernandinho, I think City would probably probably have taken that. But it just kind yeah. of reminds me back then City had vulnerability. There was like you. You felt obviously mine I used to be able to kind of have these kind of uh, kind of smash and grab counter attacking victories against them, and when they were kind of playing kind of two more, they were playing kind of two conventional fullbacks and maybe one holding midfielder. Now they're basically they're 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 not they're not playing any kind of conventional attacking fullback really, especially in the bigger matches. They're having the fullbacks hang back to protect themselves against the counter, along with Rodri. So they've no real vulnerability. And they've sorry way less vulnerability in the counterattack than they used to. Mm. And they also they kind of um Guardiola doesn't really throw in the kind of curveball selections as much anymore as well. So that they kind of like it's kind of so it, it's 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 that's why it's kind of the narratives the narratives around City are tired because it's the same, it's it's the same consistent kind of output from them. And it's also they're less entertaining to watch because Guardiola's optimized it so much now that their kind of defensive process is so good and they, and they're just, they're not vulnerable there that they kind of, the games aren't just, aren't as exciting. They don't really play these high scoring thrillers that that, that they used to. Well, not nearly as much anyway, like that game against, um, Real Madrid that first leg like of the Champions League was a 4-3 at the, at, at the Etihad like those kind of games I think are things of the past sadly unfortunately the way the way they're set up and I think it's and unfortunately I, unless as I've kind of mentioned in the, in the preseason I think the only thing they can probably take City this year is maybe kind of a, injuries to, like Sir Rodri or Ederson or maybe kind of the Premier League charges I think that. As I said, I think whenever that does come, I think that will have an impact on them. But it's kind of off-field and kind of unforeseen events that can really take City down. I think they their squad and their team looks fairly impenetrable, and in terms of like. I know Gary Neville's mentioned this and it's usually kind of something you're concerned about with a team kind of backing up a treble is kind of hunger issues but just with the players they've added that just leads to competition in the squad like they brought in Jeremy Doku saying like so now Jack Grealish who was kind of a treble hero last year like he can't as Lazaro he's out of the team now like basically he probably won't play this weekend I think and just well it's the...
0: Guardiola all over isn't it because he's constantly trying to yeah, move like... the ground from under his players and just unsettle them we've seen even with Bernardo Silva who he absolutely Doors, yeah, just exactly. Occasionally, just ice him for no apparent reason. Exactly. Like I think, like
3: again, I know listeners are probably thinking oh, it's it's it, 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 it and it's easy to get comp- have competition for places when you have cities' resources. You can go out and buy the best players, and that certainly is true. But and like I said, I think like being able they've obviously got competition in defense because they can spend ninety million on Hosco Guardial, Gard- which most teams can't. So I yeah. think there's like I think there's yeah, like some element today is like is kind of. Like the, I think City have a good signing process, right? Like because I think like they've managed to get man, uh, a Kanji for twenty million and Julian Alvarez, Juli Alvarez for around twenty million in the last couple of years. So I think that like the, the Chiki Baguera sign and that kind of that staff do a good job. But obviously, also the fact is that City do have way more resources, so so, so they can they can sign players other teams can't. Um, I'm. But I think just one of the th- things I'm interested in this game is like City's XG, sorry Chelsea's expected goals to, stats took a f- further boost by playing against ten and nine men for a long period. And while like on the field they may look really unconvincing, their numbers do suggest this team is on the verge of kind of of kind of breaking into a kind of a top four push. So I'm, I'm kind of I, I would be loath to kind of be against Chelsea here. I, I do think like. Yeah, again, like I think, like that, that midfield on paper. I think as it develops, is one of the strongest in the Premier League. Conor Gallagher isn't the best, but the way they're using him in terms of pressing from the front, I think he can be very effective. I do have a lot of faith in Enzo Enzo and Caicedo. Um, I think Nicholas Jackson again. I think he's definitely raw, but like I, I isn't he, he'll have to play with more confidence. Having score a half trick, that's just I think just 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 yeah. the way the way it'll be. And he's a
0: backup guy, right? The whole point was you bring yeah exactly. Him in. It wasn't meant to be their main guy, and Kunku, yeah. I think was going to take a lot of that attacking burden. But kunku got injured really early on, and so then you're in a difficult position, aren't you?
3: Yeah, and Cole Palmer, he looks one of their better signings. He looks like a, kind of a really creative player. Just one thing, I've no stat to back this up, but I I find Raheem Sterling, I don't like watching him at this at this point. Like I think he really he doesn't give the ball to the player in the best position a lot of the time. I I, I think he contributes a lot to Chelsea's attack play, being disjointed. I think. I think he's a bit too selfish and I I think when he he's kind of he often he waits he waits to give the pass and he gives it too late and the attack breaks down so I I think if if Nkunku was fit and you had Nkunku in there with Cole Palmer and Jackson I think you've a pretty potent front three but um, but for this but for this weekend's game I like Mark I really like um I, 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 I really like Chelsea most cards here, given the kind of gap in the dis- dis- disciplinary record. And Chelsea have so many walking cards in the team with Gallagher, Caicedo, Fernandez, Nicholas Jackson, etc. And also, I was, whoever, I was looking maybe Reese James, the fouls markets as well. I think, uh, I think just given whoever, whoever's playing down his side in terms of kind of Jack Grealish or, or whether it's Grealish or Doku, he'll have an extremely hard game. So I think there's definitely a couple of epilter options there.
0: Worth bearing in mind, is offering a completely free Acker or Bet Builder on this weekend's football, but you do have to opt in to claim it. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus the So if we were going to put together a bet builder between us, Emmett, I'm guessing you would start with that most cards option. Yeah, I would. Uh, um, I, would I would definitely definitely got Chelsea most cards. Uh Mark, I'll go with you next.
1: In Man City to win.
0: And Stinch, what have you got for us?
2: The beast from Norway to score or assist.
0: Lovely stuff. Well, uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, Aston Villa, welcome Fulham to Fortress Villa Park. Mark, Villa is just looking so strong on home soil. And this is a classic Unai Emery thing. I mean, it's quite extreme, but this is what Emery has done throughout his career, really. He's had long stretches of home wins. Way from home, not so good. But at home, his teams tend to be very, very consistent.
1: Yeah, definitely a severe side of old um, for the too, uh, and Aston Villa have continued that trend as well. And you know, last weekend they weren't totally at it at, at Nottingham Forest and and paid the price. But it, it probably wasn't a two nil game. They probably did deserve to be a bit closer to Forest, um, and that just tends to happen sometimes in football. Um, they created chances, not many clear cut, but the finishing was poor. They played with a little bit of indecision. Hemi Martinez has a a rare off day and you can see two shots from outside the box and you lose. That's football. So they were a bit erratic, but I expected a a big improvement this weekend back at Villa Park. I know they've got Thursday night football in Europe to contend with, but even so, um, they've been faultless at home. Five wins from five this season. It's now 12 successive Premier League wins at home, which is astonishing. Um, They scored 20 goals in five games. At Villa Park this year in the Premier League they've scored twice or more in 10 of those 12 successive home league wins they've actually scored three goals or more in seven of those 12 um, so they are a goal scoring machine at the minute um, and even under, uh, across the whole 18 games under Unai Emery at home in the Premier League they've won 14 they're averaging two and a half goals per game they have scored twice or more in 14 of those fixtures as well so the underlying process has been pretty strong as well at Villa Park during his tenure so I was quite surprised that Villa are trading around 165 to win this game I I make them closer to a 1.5 shot and I'm going to engineer a way of getting Villa on side at close to evens we can back them to win and over one and a half goals a 1.9 which basically just excludes the one nil home victory any other scoreline but the Villa win gets you paid out and I just think across the board there they are the strongest suit Fulham can and have got the capacity to be stubborn to be stodgy they don't offer a huge deal going forward, and we saw that against Man United last week. Eighteen shots, but never really convinced. Rodrigo Miss Mitrovic so badly, don't they? Uh, massively, and I think since their return to the Premier League, there was there's been three sort of pillars of, uh, of positivity for Fulham. It's been Mitrovic, it's been Jao Polinia, and Ben Leno in goal. Uh, you've already lost Mitrovic. Um, Paulini is doing all he can, although he obviously messed up for the United goal last week. And, and Leno as well. But um, outside of those two in the current squad, it's it's very, very average. And you're looking like Raul Jimenez probably leading the line here this weekend. William and Alex Awobi supporting him. It doesn't really inspire too much confidence. And, and look, they've been competitive, but they still lost and considered multiple goals at City, Arsenal and Spurs. Sorry, they drew at Arsenal, but considered multiple goals in that game. They did keep Brighton at bay fairly well last time uh, on their travels but I think Villa right now compared to Brighton are the more consistent, the more confident unit Um, there's just continuity with their selection as well and if you think of Fulham's kind of main area of strength, it probably is that midfield area with Jao Palinha uh, operating in it well that's an area of strength for Aston Villa they've got pace, they've got power, they've got energy work rate and a bit of dog about them too so uh, I think they'll relish this game and I'm quite happy to back them to win and over one and a half goals at 1.9 well, seeing as it's our 300th episode on Football
0: Only Better, let's do something we've never done before. Stitch, Stin- Who's Stitch? Stinch has picked out uh, not one, but two games from the Ukrainian top division. Stinch, take it away.
2: Yeah, so uh, Kravibas uh, hosting uh, Dynamo Kiev and Shakhtar. Uh, home to, uh, Dnipro on, uh, on Sunday. And these are two bets that I've been doing for years and years and years and years. Um, it just so happens that this season and probably we, we all know why and, and no need to to go into it but uh both both the the big teams in, in ukraine have lost a lot of their valuable players and uh, are weaker as a as a result of it and so what we're seeing is they're not winning the games that they once were as as convincingly um, i think uh, probably all aware that they dominate uh, the ukraine league uh, no other winner since 1992 i believe um so combined they've won the last 32 I think or 31 uh, championships yeah. um but this season it's it, the table's looking a lot differently um Shakhtar in fourth and Kiev all the way down in in eighth but um I'm putting that down to uh, a bit of a bit of bad fortune uh, the market sort of still agrees they they both of them still go off odds on pretty much every week except when they they play each other um but essentially what's happening is when they win they they're often not winning to nil so this is this is my angle basically um, Kiev just won clean sheet all season and have conceded 16 goals in 10 games you compare that to last season where they only conceded 25 in 30 so they're, they're probably going to surpass that um, five wins four of them have seen both teams to score so already a, a nice angle there um, Shakhtar have kept just four clean sheets uh, but conceded 10 in 11 when you compare that to just 21 in 30 again it's likely that they'll surpass that um, and their seven in their seven wins, three of them have seen both teams to score. So, Kiev uh, are odds on at three to four, and Shakhtar are odds on, uh, obviously at four to seven. So, if you back them in a double, that would that would pay seven to four. Um, but if you back them both to win and both to concede, it pays 12 to 1. And wow. that's something that uh, that I've, I've regularly done over the years. And um, it just so happens that, that this weekend, they're both uh, nicely priced and uh, I'll back both the singles as well. So Kiev to win and both teams to score is 11 to 4 and Shakhtar to win and both teams to score is 5 to 2.
0: Well, injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90 minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description 18 plus be gamble Emmett O'Keefe is all about the derbies on Sunday. Emmett, let's start in the Italian capital, shall we? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah, I think it's kind of. One of these games where it's kind of hard to weigh home advantage here with kind of both both sides playing at the same stadium. But as what do you as,
0: do with that as a as a trader when you're making a market, if you've got something like, that, like the, the Milan derby or the Rome Derby, what do you actually how do you actually judge it?
3: Yeah, so I, I think probably you, you you like as in home advantage, it 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 varies by league, but it's usually you usually it's somewhere between point three and kind of point four point four of a goal. I'd say for kind of for the Rome derby you might maybe take maybe 25 30% of it off it because most studies would say that the main the main reason for home advantage is the pressure is the pressure that the home crowd puts on referees and you would you would expect lazio to still have probably a, I don't know what the t- allocation issues are like but given I I I'd, I'd expect at least 70 or 80% of the fans yeah. to be lazio so that they would still have the majority maybe slightly less but the majority of their home advantage and given that I was surprised to see Lazio's underdogs here like I don't think there's that much between these two sides with only slightly better by expected goals and on the league table and I just think the the team news most importantly is really in Lazio's favour Roma are still likely to be missing some of their best players in in Spinazzola, Pellegrini, and uh, and Chris Smalling, and Lazio have obviously struggled with the absence of Milinkovic-Savic this season, but they do have Chiro Mobile back from injury, who's been out since the end of September, and he scored in kind of Lazio's kind of yeah. mid week win over Firenior, and Lazio have found a bit of I found a bit of form at home. They've been pretty strong in their last kind of few matches. I just think I think Roma are a team I'd look to take on this year. I think as I said, and there are signs that there's. Kind of the, the Mourinho kind of decline season is, is is on the verge of happening and getting Lazio Lazio odds against Toronto better at home looks, looks like value here to me.
0: Atletico Madrid, I think, have won 14 in a row at home in La Liga. They smashed Celtic to smithereens in the Champions League. Mark, if I was Real this weekend, I'd be quite scared.
1: <laughs> yeah understandably so seven wins from seven at the metropolitano now across all competitions this season um 16 wins i think it is now across all competitions at home for Atletico, uh, they've lost here just twice in over a year. Those defeats came against Real Madrid and Barcelona. They're 17-1-0 in wins, draws, losses um, since January, uh, losing to Barcelona. Uh, they've scored twice or more in 15 of those 18 unbeating games. And, and This season, they've scored 22 goals in seven home fixtures. Um, it's been highlighted now a few times. Um, this isn't the Atletico of old. Simeone has released the shackles. He is allowing his creative players' freedom to express themselves. He's kind of handed them the keys to to those kind of forward-thinking stars and it's made Atletico a much more fun side to follow and it's been all at, borne out in the numbers as well. they scoring and creating a kind of league-leading levels now going back to when La Liga resumed after the World Cup last year really. Um, and yeah, the hosting of Villarreal outside on Sunday night who... Haven't been playing very well. Uh, They've got two days extra rest over Villarreal, who play on Thursday night in the Europa League in Cyprus, which is ideal really for for rest and recovery purposes. Uh, And Villarreal have been poor, uh, languishing in the bottom half. They've already made a coaching change. It's not made any massive discernible difference. And um, yeah, they went 3 0 down at home to Athletic last weekend. Um, They did pull it back to 3 2, but it was quite one sided for a lot of that sort of first hour or so and it's just three wins in 12 and all three wins came against bottom four opposition they picked up one point from six games against top half teams five of which were at home actually and they've conceded 13 goals in those five defeats so just two clean sheets all season they're giving up 1.75 goals per game 1.63 expected goals per game it's really not been pretty at all and not ideal going to Atletico however They have scored in 11 of 12 La Liga games. They are facing an Atleti side who've managed just one home clean sheet in seven league and Champions League appearances. And that came against Celtic in midweek who played for an hour with 10 men. So I'm going to take a stab Atletico to win this match and both teams to score at 275. It's already won in six of Atletico's seven home league games this season. It's also won in all six of Villarreal's defeats in La Liga this season. It's 185 for Atletico to win and over two and a half goals It's about 1.8 for both teams to score in this game. So, yeah, basically the market doesn't like Villarreal whatsoever. It's going to be pretty surprised if they even get on the score sheet here. But um, both teams to score has already banked in 10 of their 12 league matches. And we've seen their matches against some of the big boys, particularly the Barcelona game earlier in the campaign. And even last weekend, but so they do offer a threat and they can get themselves engaged in these kind of high scoring shootouts. And um Atletico's matches this season have very much been in that style. Um you think of the, the final game earlier on in the Champions League campaign. Yeah. Um was it Granada a fortnight ago or Cadiz a fortnight ago where they were one or two nil down, had to fight back in the second half to to get the points. So they are not the the stingy stimioni side of old, um, they will come and attack you and they would do leave gaps and, and give you opportunities. Is that the trade-off? You. Because they've been more attack-minded, you think?
0: They are leaving a few more gaps at the back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, and Because, I mean, whilst some of the individuals have, have moved on, um, personnel isn't that dissimilar to the same sort of Atletico side we've, we've come to expect in recent years, at least in midfield. And there are still a few sort of stalwarts there in defence too. So, yeah, um, but the results, I think, have been much more fluent and much more exciting. You know, just talk about that home record is, it's exceptional, really. Um, and it wasn't that long ago where they beat Real Madrid either? So, um, yeah, I think they'll be confident as they as they tend to be at the Metropolitano. But um, yeah, I think Villarreal have the capacity with Gerard Moreno now fit and available uh, to cause them problems. If you look at their proposed to lineup for this weekend, it's very attack minded. So, um, I think both teams to score has a has to be a big runner here.
0: Let's head to Germany then. Stinch Werder Bremen up against Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt, strange old team. They've had a packed schedule. They've been quite tough to beat. They've drawn a fair few games. What do we make of this?
2: Yeah, I famously backed unders in Frankfurt v Dortmund recently and there was six goals. I think it was three after about 20 minutes. Tried to be clever. No need to try and be <laughs> clever. Just back overs. Um, Bundesliga average 3.64 After 90 games this season, you compare that versus 3.17 overall uh, last season, 3.12 the season before, just a huge, huge, huge increase. And I I was wondering whether we might see a drop-off. and I think we will see a little bit, but I do think we will comfortably clear the previous averages and from from the last two seasons. I think and I think the market sort of agrees. You look at over two and a half goals this weekend in the Bundesliga, uh prices are four to nine, two to five, four to six, one to yeah. ten. That's obviously Bayern. Uh four to nine, four to six. 8 to 15 4 to 6 and 8 to 15 and you know that means on average the odds are shorter than uh, the 1 to 2 so 1.5 in decimal uh but over 2.5 goals here uh, is is 4 to 6 uh, I'm just going to boost it a little bit by backing both teams to score a uh, 5 to 6 you look at Bremen. Um, I wouldn't describe them as a, a fantastic team and, uh, but fair play to them, um, having to deal with the loss of Nicholas Fulkrug just towards the end of the window. That's never easy to, to try and, uh, uh you know, um, find a a replacement Um, and especially as them being not so recently promoted back to the Bundesliga you worry for them about dropping back down again but um, they've been scoring very freely they've scored two or more goals in seven of the last eight matches and what that essentially meant because they're obviously not that great defensively either is um, 70% of their games have gone over 2.5 goals Um, and Frankfurt seem to have found their scoring boots they scored three or more goals in the last three games in the Bundesliga Um, and um, you check in the fact they put in six in the europa conference league as well um, they seem to have found their feet after the losses of moani uh, kamada and uh, jesper jesper lindstrom so um given the fact I feel like that Frank- Marmoush
0: has taken a step up i feel i feel like he was always seen as a good player omar mamush but he actually looks genuinely like a top bundesliga striker now
2: I think that's the thing because they reinvested a lot in young players. A bit kind of similar, I suppose, to what Chelsea have done with with a fraction of the transfer fees. And with always with young players, you get volatility in terms of yeah, consistency. Sure. So yeah, it's good to see because um, they've they've sold a lot of you know attacking talent in in the previous seasons. Think of the likes of going all the way back to say Sebastian Allaire, for example. Um, they've sold a lot of players, uh, Luka Jovic. Um, so to keep sort of um, churning out talent is a uh, credit to to the to what goes on behind the scenes. And um, yeah, Frankfurt won this fixture 4-3 last season. So if we we could have a 2-1 at least, I'll be happy.
0: Finally, one of the most brutal derbies in Europe, Sevilla up against Betis, Emmett. It's always a feisty affair. Sevilla, if you look at the way they approach the away game at Arsenal and uh, the team selection clearly thinking about this game because they rested so many uh, players and they were really timid against Arsenal.
3: Yeah, exactly. I was kind of, um, I was lining up like Sejaisis, Navas and uh, our boy Acuna for a card. Like I was disappointed to see them not in the starting lineup up against Saka and Martinelli. Um, yeah, they definitely have rested players, but I'm just kind of, I'd be, I I I, I want to be against Sev- Sevilla here just in general. Like they're, they're 15th in the table in La Liga. They haven't really improved that much since since appointing kind of Diego Alonso as their new manager. In he October, he hasn't won
0: in the league. Yeah, he's drawn all the yeah. games,
3: isn't he so far? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've drawn the last four matches against kind of varying degrees in opposition. But I just I noticed last week, like in their, again, they were playing Celta Vigo away. weren't or, 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 or only kind of a, or far from a far, far, far from a great side, and they played Celta Vigo got and a man sent off. Uh, kind of early in the second half, and despite playing against ten for a large part, playing against ten men for a large part of the second half, they still kind of needed a marginal VAR, var decision to go their way to kind of even get a point. There's just, might have seen the Twitter clip of uh, Iago Aspas assaulting the kind of VAR monitor, and that was <laughs> it, it, it was it was in that game. So severe, really, kind of failing to convince. Whereas Betis on the other hand, they sit kind of sixth in La Liga. They're beating their last seven matches maybe kind of by expected goals they aren't quite as good as that but I still think they're kind of they look quite a solid team and just given Sevilla's kind of struggles I, I can't have them as short as around kind of 2.15 to win this match here uh, or two point, or around 2.2 so I think Betis look kind of a look a fair price to avoid defeat here in the Derby at 1.83 the only thing that is obviously I'd be wary about here is I think if listeners are looking for a bet on the red card this match it'll probably be around somewhere between I think 7-4 to four. Seven to four and nine to four. So I think you're, if you are backing better style, that's your worry. If a kind of gets a high chance of a red card having a big impact in this game.
0: Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, all of our shows are now on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. Lots of good preview content always as well on our website, betting.betfair Dot com from Emmett, from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.